Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Spech. Hello. And we have a different guest on this evening. Joining us this evening is Alan Drummond. How's it going, Alan? Hey, guys. Doing well yourselves? Not too shabby. Alan Drummond of Kingdom Outdoor Products and Hashtag Alcation is joining us this evening. Um, Derek? Yes? You are live and in person. I'm looking I across, what, about seven, eight feet? Yeah, we're about eight feet apart. About eight feet apart. In the garage slash canoe shed slash whatever this is. I call it Studio 54. Studio 54. Uh, yeah, this is the first time we've uh, been in the same room since... March. March, something like that. Yeah, March. About March. March break, right? Yeah, I think March yeah. break. When yeah. they closed the province down. Yeah. We, we started doing remote. Uh, what We used uh, Skype. Yeah, Skypes and... Yeah, and we yeah, struggled Skype mightily with it. Oh, man, that was brutal. And if we could have made it work, we'd still be Skyping, but... Uh, now that the uh, a lot of the conditions are enlightening and Sean's built a brand new, well, I say built, but he's moved his his uh, debris and detrius from his garage from one side to the other. So now there's room in here to, uh, <laughs> to put a set of a table. So he's at one end of the garage and I'm at the other. <laughs> you know what? Like I get mad at my son because you go into his room and there's a little path from the doorway <laughs> to his bed, right? And you're like, dude, clean this up now and then i come out in my garage and there's one little path from one <laughs> to the other and i'm thinking ooh, that's where he gets it from yeah pot kettle black what <laughs> so yeah i've i've uh i've been doing well before all this started i was doing that big purge down in the basement yeah. at the beginning of the year and uh, I've just sort of continued on out in the ground. I've been to the dump like three times. <laughs> just from, just it's that, you know, it's the guy's syndrome. Well, don't throw that out. I'm going to need I might it. I use it one day. Yeah. Yeah. You throw yeah. it out and a week later it's like, oh, I could oh, use that thing right now. I could have so <laughs> used that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, you know what? I've just been collecting and collecting and collecting stuff. And people say, oh, I know you might be able to use this one day. And finally, I'm, yeah, you know who can use this? The dump. The dump can use this. <laughs> yes. And the yeah. dump can use that and the other thing. So, uh, yeah, so now it's like my ba- my garage here is like half full. Yeah, so anybody who's listening, you're going to hear the echo. Yeah. Because we're in a bare-walled garage. Yeah, but look at all the cinder, plugins I've got. Cinder block on one side and drywall on the other. Three, four, five, six, seven, and And eight, I keep getting dive-bombed by ten. mosquitoes out here. But I've, I've got like 11 outlets. <laughs> outlet boxes yeah so i can plug in like 36 different things or something what's 11 <laughs> 44 things <laughs> so yeah so uh no we've we've uh live and in person in studio together yeah. again yeah so this makes things a bit easier it does it does for the audio quality and and just you know like we constantly had troubles dropping out and your wi-fi would drop out and my wi-fi would drop out and we're skype and whatnot skype would drop out does its weird stuff with the burbly background yeah. and digitized voices and john van Beren you know who would be... never drop out who the guy in rural wisconsin oh Did john ever drop out john never had a trouble no here you two are in the fourth largest <laughs> megalopolis in north america yeah and you're both having trouble with your wife well that's because we have uh rogers routers and the rogers routers were are kind of crap mine start are to fail made and... out of sheep dung yes and i also had uh 
There's people watching Netflix, people playing video games. Oh, yes. Oh, I, I don't think there's anybody in the house that isn't fighting for the internet right now. <laughs> so, but no, uh, John and I would be holding nice conversations and then we would both stop and wondering why Derek's not talking. Derek's not talking. <laughs> oh, God. Derek's no longer with us. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just we, oh, we got to get used to this whole new setup here. It's, it'll be fine. You know, we can hear more things. <laughs> the feet on the I usually yeah. tap my feet when we're downstairs on can't the do it now. on the rug. <laughs> you know, but then now I got concrete floors and that and like I say there was Derek says there's a bit of the echo and you might hear the occasional Harley go by. There's a motorcycle club up the road from us. I think they're Hell's Angels or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you'll hear some cars because, you know, I'm right off a of main drag. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. Yeah. So welcome back. Yes, um, and I've delivered if, beer. This if first truth time. be told, the only reason we're doing this is because I ran out of beer. <laughs> <laughs> so tonight, uh, I, we're trying something new. This is Wag the Wolf by Bose, which is like Bose lug tread stuff. Yeah. So this is... Uh, not too shabby. Yeah, it's not too bad. And what are you drinking, Alan? A Moscow Mule, Ooh, which is vodka, deck. which is, I'm drinking an iceberg vodka, so it's made out of icebergs off the east coast of Newfoundland, mm -hmm. and um, ginger beer, a little bit of lime, lots of ice, and a copper mug, absolutely delicious. You yeah. ever read the story about how the Moscow Mule was created? No. It's a very interesting story. I believe it was San Francisco. You, I'll let you look it up because I can't remember all the details, but basically some guy bought a whole whole ton of uh, copper mugs and then something happened. He got stuck with them. He's like, well, uh, so he, he got together with a guy who ran a bar and they created a drink so he could get rid of all of his mugs. That's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting and, story. It's like 1954 or something. It was a long time ago. And, and the reason I'm so into the Moscow Mules right now because a friend of mine in Denver um, actually distributes or used to own a company. She got small share in it now, but used to own a company that uh, distributes copper mugs. So oh. she sent me a couple of copper mugs a couple of weeks ago when uh, she saw me doing the drink of the day posts on my personal Facebook page. And uh, it just tastes so much better out of a copper mug than a glass. So much better. <laughs> I'll believe you. Does it actually taste different or is it the aesthetic? Yes. <laughs> i'll have to do a side by side one night you just you know so is it a proper copper mug it's beaten it has the beaten look and dimpled like yep. golf ball and totally nice. i'll post cool. i'll post a picture of what i'm drinking tonight to the powling winter's radio facebook page perfect there you go <laughs> so derek yes what have you been up to well it's uh things are opening up so yes Finally, I got to go out camping because we had been camping in the backyard yeah. and, and, you know, having campfires in the backyard and waiting for the fire department to come and see why we're having campfire in the backyard and nobody called the, the fire department. So we were lucky there, but it was, uh, it, when the, uh, when the back country finally opened it, and I think opening the front country as of Monday, you can Is start Monday? doing Something like car that, camping. Yeah. I'm not sure, but yeah, anyways, coming up. so as soon as that happened, it was, uh, I, I had. I had been mentioning that, uh, remember we did the Frontenac yeah. arch yeah. thing? Yeah, so I kept saying, I got to go there, got to go there. Anyways, I, I didn't go there just because I, I, I'm unfamiliar <laughs> with the area. I didn't know what to expect from it, right? And, but I know Algonquin Park. So I went to, and it's actually the first time I've camped at Kingscott. Kingscott? Kingscott, yeah. So it's, uh, it's 
it's a perfect lake to go camping on in the fall. Yes. Because in the spring, it's it you don't have these open rocky areas that uh, with the wind can blow the bugs away. So you're kind of entrenched with all the bugs, and yeah. it's a bad time of year to go there. It's it's a nice lake. It's a really nice lake. Uh, I didn't check in the walk-in sites, but uh, I know there you can just walk into a campsite there from the parking lot. But uh, I didn't check those ones out. But uh, it's a it's a it's a nice lake. It's a nice area. It's in a depression or it's in a low area, so it it's more. You know, earth and dirt and trees, lots yeah. and lots and lots of trees. It's not like the Can- typical Canadian shield that you see in a lot of other uh, lakes in Algonquin. So it's it's just in a low lying depression area, and so it's uh, it's you know it's swampy a bit on the edges, and it's a lot of bugs. And- yeah, well, you know, I've only been up there twice in that area. Uh, once we did a day trip, and then once we did a I think it was about four or five days up through there. Oh, yeah. Uh, when you go farther back and stuff like that, there's some nice. Nice areas you can go through, and there's some areas that are just like, eh. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, not my most favorite part of the park, but. Yeah, I, I don't know that I would go back. Yeah. Like, I like the I like the Highway 60 quarter, like, you know, Rock Lake and stuff. Like, that's where I first started getting the kids out camping. And you and uh, some, some of my favorite lakes is like Ralph Bice and and uh big trout and mm-hmm. opiongo i like and so some of the bigger more rocky areas more exposed i like the exposure well i like the exposed because i hate the bugs yeah <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it is what it is right yeah yeah i can't stand the bugs uh so you went there yeah it you've was done nice. some family paddling i did I know, so cause... we got together with uh with uh, Sue Shepherd and her family, and uh, so I finally got to meet her, meet her husband and and meet her her boy Hayden, and uh, so we did a, uh, a family paddle just last week on Sunday. Yeah, Sunday. Right. So uh, we went up to, uh, and I'd never been there before. It's uh, it was so easy to get to. It was such a nice lake. It's Wolf Lake and Crab Lake, and uh, just off of Highway 28. Oh, there goes a car. <laughs> yeah. He's really winding up. <laughs> so it was a, it was a really nice. I, I me and Siobhan are going to try and book it, but we, the the it's a very popular area. Yes. So we looked. If we were to book maybe a Tuesday and a Wednesday night, we can go. But there's no weekends available until like the fall. Yeah. So it's, well, it's a perfect time to go. Yeah. No yes. Bugs. Yes. Well, perfect. yeah. Well, uh, uh, where we are on crab and stuff, the the uh it's all canadian shield type rock right right so it's very exposed any wind blows all the bugs away it was great it was really nice area good so it was just a nice day paddle yes yeah just day paddle we went hit the water around 10 and we're off the water by three oh it's a short day yeah yeah oh yeah oh cool Hayden had to uh, had some uh, Fortnite to play, and he was like, "Gotta go, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go." It's like, okay. Yes, we've been through things with that with a couple of kids. Not mine. I mean, mine were pretty good when they get out there. Yeah. You know, once you can get them out there, they. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I've been with people with a couple other little kids that were just like, "Oh, I want to play my video game." Yeah. Oh, can we get back to the trailer? Can we go home? I want to play video. Like, oh, give me a break. <laughs> so, and uh, last I heard, we were talking because we didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tomogamy, you and Mikey. Yes. Uh, so I've got 
two trips planned this summer with uh, with Mike. So one is Tomogamy. We're going to go up on the east side of Tomogamy, and we're going to go in. I can't remember the name of the route, but it's um, we're going to hike up Maple Mountain. Okay. And uh, so we're going to be in there, and uh, I can't remember the name of it. Anyways, so yeah, so we're going to do seven days. And that's going to be in July. And then in August, uh, our families get together. We're going to do a RV camping in McGregor. Cool. So, yeah. So it's nice. Well, it's going to be weird because uh, the showers aren't open. Yeah. So, but, you know, it, at you McGregor, there's water. There's the, there's the lake right there. So yeah. we just go swimming every day. So the kids in. Yeah. It's like, get washed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Jump around, swirl around in circles, and you'll get exactly. washed, right? Like a washing machine. <laughs> just deal with it. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Cool. And uh, I've only been, well, I've been paddling local lately. A lot of local stuff. Uh, Rotary, oh, yeah. Rotary Park. We went, I went up to Rotary, uh, down mm-hmm. to Rotary Park. Went up Duffins Creek all the way to the 401. It's the farthest I've ever been. Yeah, I saw you do it twice. Once yep. by yourself and once with... Uh, and uh, was it last weekend? Not the weekend, just past uh, the weekend, two weekends ago, I guess now. You and Tracy went. Uh, Tracy and I went. We met up with a friend of ours. She actually works with Tracy. Uh, her name's Jen. She goes uh, by Outdoor Jen yep. on, on social okay. media. Uh, so she was in her kayak. Trace and I were in the canoe. And yeah, we went tootling up. And, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's, well, how far can you go? So, well, I was up in the 401, but, you know, I had the canoe pole at the time. And so we decided we'd see how far we can get. Yeah. And we made it past Bailey, uh, which is one of the main roads. Uh, didn't quite get to 401. We hit a couple of spots that were a bit too fast. Oh, oh, fast too fast and shallow. Okay. Yeah. 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 It gets really shallow. So the <clears throat> current's coming through. Yeah. So, you know, you, it's not even enough. You need a pole or get out and walk. Yeah. You know, yeah. sort of thing. And in order to walk properly, you've got to get over to a spot right close to the shore where it does get deeper. Oh, okay. But of course the current picks up and it's too exactly. deep to walk. And it, uh, so I, yeah, and then trying to get, I would have had to try to get Jen up through there as well, and it was just like you know what, that's eh, like a nice More spot effort to turn around. Worth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, we turned around and then did a nice lazy ride back and uh, enjoyed totally enjoyed the day. Oh, when we were on the water, we're coming up and coming towards us was a nice blue canoe. Ben Stacy. Oh yes, two men in two a canoe. Men in a canoe. Yeah, he was out for the day paddling with his sister and uh, nephew. So we sat there in the middle of the, in the of Dufferin's Creek. There they sort of doing all our social distancing yeah. thing, right? And um, yeah, having a nice little chit chat. And you know, every so often, a couple of kayaks or canoes would come zipping through between us all. You know, <laughs> like excuse us, sorry, you can come through and, and whatnot. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a nice, really nice day paddle. Cool. But other than that, I haven't really been doing too much i'm out this week for a solo paddle and going for four days oh yeah uh, up to algonquin into bice lake do some mm-hmm. trout fishing and relaxing and yeah. some exploring and all that sort of stuff so we'll see what happens hopefully get some nice trout <laughs> mm, trout yeah so what about you alan what have you been doing um just doing a lot of biking but that's for another podcast um uh, but doing a lot of paddling <laughs> the past couple of weeks now that it's warming up and uh stuff been out in the canoe um twice now i guess um just locally i went out last wednesday or wednesday before um with a bunch of paddles that i have and uh oh, right you were you were testing video, yeah, yeah you were testing all your yeah paddles. yeah so it was a high wind day and 
I've never soloed a canoe before. So before I like, you know, went out with you guys or something and thought it was all all good, which I'm not. Um, I thought I'd go <laughs> test, test out my canoe solo and um, took a bunch of paddles, took three paddles and a uh, Greenland kayak paddle out with me in right. my, uh, what is it, 16-foot prospector. Um, and I just went down to Lakefront Promenade in uh, Mississauga. It's a great little area. It's totally 100% sheltered. It's maybe 100 meters wide by a few hundred meters long. So you get the full effect of the wind. You can find shelter. Um, you know, it was a north wind. So it was, you know, if I fell out or lost control, I'm only getting blown across to the other beach. Right. So it was, uh, that, that, that was actually a lot of fun. Took some... Uh, video of me doing it some time lapse and just some regular video and kind of looking over at how bad my j stroke is and <laughs> but i tell you there was nothing like the greenland kayak paddle in the wind yes yeah it no. just made all the difference in the world if i ever do a solo algonquin or solo anywhere trip i'm definitely bringing one of those in my backup paddle it just made things so much easier now you're doing that in a prospector? Yeah. Really? 30. Where most were you sitting? Uh, the reverse, so on the uh, bow sitting backwards. Okay. I wouldn't think of, like, most people I know when they get the pack canoes, and, I mean, I've got my Osprey here, which is pretty narrow. Uh, they're, that's when they're using the, the kayak paddles and yeah. stuff like oh, that. Oh, it's not a, uh, like, um, everyday paddle kind of paddle to use it with. It would only be in... Like, the winds that day were gusting 55. Okay. For the weather network, it was sustained at, like, 30s. Uh, there was a couple of calm, calm parts, but it would just definitely just be when it was wind was an issue. I didn't know. I wouldn't I'd bloody my knuckles too much if I used it uh, otherwise. Right. So, but, that, but, no, that was a lot of fun. Learned a lot about how the canoe uh, maneuvered and stuff, and uh, just how much more I enjoyed just uh, getting on the canoe and stuff. So, well, I mean, you're, uh, a, played you're around a, with the r- r- sorry, you're a big kayaking guy. So to get out in the canoe and, yeah. and that's, that's how you learn it though. I mean, you just keep practicing. Yeah. Well, and that's why I picked that day because, you know, I do have Lakefront Promenade literally five minutes away from my house. Right. Um, and it was w- windy. Right. So I wanted to get out and see what it was like safely in conditions. Um, so it that sucks, dude, and it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. And I keep hearing you guys talk about being windbound and going across this lake and having to hug the shoreline and taking four hours longer than it should and all that. And, you know, it's, I wanted to get rid of that fear that some of that ignorance gives one. Right. Um, by knowing exactly what you guys were talking about now. Okay. Yeah. So it, uh, so it was good. And, and like I said, it, it's, it's, Almost, it's, it's like practicing kayak rescue rolling in, that, in a pool. It's totally sheltered. It's totally, you know, confined. But right. here you're in the lake with the wind. And, and uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. I had a, had a great afternoon. So, Good. Um, so I've done that twice. Once another time, just in uh, no wind that day. There's barely any wind. But just the same thing. I was out with the different paddles and... Yeah, I've got about three canoe paddles, so I've got a uh, Badger paddle, I've got a one from the Halliburton Forest Reserve, and another one whose name I forget, but all very different uh, shapes, so right. it was to play with those. Um, but yeah, I've been on the kayak a lot too. Yesterday I was out for 
about an hour and a half in the morning with a friend in the Toronto Harbour and over the Toronto Islands. Um, she had uh, just taken delivery of a new-to-her boat, a uh, new kayak, so without test paddling that with her, and, and then back in uh, for a little snack. And then I was on my own just exploring the Toronto Harbour shoreline for about four hours and over the Toronto Islands and... Just it was an absolutely gorgeous day. A little bit of a little bit of a wind, but nothing to make anything too interesting. We got to get um, Derek over to the uh, islands in the kayaks. Yeah, yeah, we got to do yeah, that again. Yeah. I know how much you love that. Yeah. Oh, that was um, an awesome night. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Was that when you guys we went to the nude night, beach, too, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, that's when we went to the nude beach. I think that might have been my. La- <laughs> I think that was my last night paddle. Actually, dying to get out on another one. Um, yeah. yeah, so other than that, uh, a couple other kayak paddles. Uh, another time around the Toronto Islands and stuff. Um, on. Sunday, I was out with um, a couple of people um, that I know through the Halton Outdoor Club, and we went down to Wellandport, which is, as the name suggests, near Welland, yeah. um, down in southwestern Ontario, and did, uh, I guess, about 23 kilometers on the um, Welland River, which I'd never paddled before. So and that was a great paddle to kayak, stand-up paddleboard, or uh, canoe. It's, yeah, um, uh, Canoe Hound is down in Welland. Dennis. Oh, oh that's right. Adventures. He's, from, he's from the Welland For some area. reason, I thought he was in the other direction towards Kingston. No, no, he's why. down Welland Way. Uh, and we only say that because like, half my relatives are extended family are down Welland in Niagara Falls, right? So, uh, yeah, I want to yeah. get down that way and do some paddling with uh, with Dennis at some point. So, the Welland River, you say? The Welland River, yeah. It, it, so, I'm not sure where the headwaters waters start, but it ends at the uh, Welland Canal mm-hmm. in Welland. Um, in the section we did, we went 11 kilometers from the, from Welland Port up river. There's barely any flow, so it was barely noticeable. Um, it's anywhere from, I don't know, 50 to hundred meters wide. Seemed relatively shallow, kind of like the Grand River. It's kind of muddy. Right. Um, uh, it's all sorts of, uh, birds and stuff. You're right down through farming country there. So there's, yeah. There's cows in the distance and horses, and you can tell which farms had freshly fertilized. And <laughs> there's some homes along there, so people are waving at you. And it was just a really nice, pleasurable paddle. Coming back a little uh, trying because again the winds were up um, and they were coming in our face the whole way home. But um, yeah, it was about 11 and a half kilometers up, and we got uh, we had to turn around because there's an old railway bridge, um, and it was just all sorts of deadfall and debris blocking us from going further up than that so right but it was uh no it was a really enjoyable day so yeah nice little was, part of southwestern ontario wouldn't expect to have a day paddle out of you know so i've i've only paddled a couple spots down that way um i used to go down that way with throw the canoe on and i take my grandfather out a little bit and see if we can do a bit of fishing on a couple of small rivers out that way st Catharines way mostly but uh yeah i haven't been down to welland uh, and paddled maybe it's time to do that yeah, yeah, it's uh, like there's nothing eventful about it, but nothing uneventful about it. No, you it's just a nice want day out. There. A nice lazy afternoon to have a nice paddle in the sunshine. And, you know, there's not really many places to go ashore. There is, um, oh, I'd have to look it up, a conservation area. Um, but a quarter of the way up that we paddled, it wasn't too far, it was about 40 minutes up, um, where you can kind of land. Washrooms are closed, so we had to find a tree. Right. Um, but we were able to have our lunch there and stuff on the way back down uh, mm. without anybody bothering us. Some, uh, you know, trailer campers and that kind of thing in this conservation area. But, uh, right. yeah, it was, uh, it, was a, it was a good day. Good. So, um, I was out uh, one night last week. Um, 
speaking of uh, windy paddles, uh, went from, again, Lakefront Promenade, which is near me, um, west along the shoreline to uh, Port Credit and up the Credit River. Um, so that was a mostly enjoyable evening. Um, kind of learned a few lessons and gave myself a few reminders of with that paddle. It uh, kind of made a few mistakes. Um, I, I just put all that down to early season's exuberance, and um, <laughs> yeah, you know, we're, we're, we're going to uh, talk about that tonight too. <laughs> with the uh, the the air temperature, with the humidity of forty one degrees, so over hundred degrees Fahrenheit. Um, but the water temperature in Lake Ontario is still quite cold and it's yeah. still flipping with all this wind we've been having. So it, um, so, so, so I made a few mental notes about some mistakes I made and, um, you know, it, uh, the winds that built while I was out there. So it went from 30 kilometer an hour winds to when I started out on my paddle and maybe, you know, one foot waves out on the lake to, over 50 kilometer an hour wind, so 30 miles an hour coming back, um, and there are beams, beam wind, so they're against my side all the way back. Um, wow. And I'm going to say there's steady two ways with a couple three and four footers, so it was uh, definitely had me on my toes. Um, so I definitely should have checked the forecast for when I was going out and also for when I was anticipated coming back. That's well, Something you know I usually what? do, and I just forgot. The, the when you, I mean, with the way things have been going, like I said, Derek was even saying here, is that you know everything's opening up now, and uh, everybody's getting out there out yeah. on the water, and now we can do some backcountry camping and everything like that. I'm thinking there's a lot of people that are just so excited about being able to get out there; they're just going all willy nilly and forgetting the few basics. Hundred percent, you know, hundred and hundred percent. Yeah. So, you know what, let's take a quick break here and we come back. We're going to talk about where you went wrong and uh, Coast Guard stuff. Sound like a plan? Cool. Sounds like a plan. Awesome. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Sean Rowley and you're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. To find out more about us, check out our website, paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Current and past episodes of our podcast can be downloaded or streamed from iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page of our website. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for the show, we would love to hear from you. So drop us a line on Facebook or our website. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. Welcome back. So, Alan... You, yes. <laughs> yes. you and I were talking and you said that, uh, as you started talking about earlier there, a little bit of um, excitement, exuberance. Yeah. You were so happy f to be free to go out in your kayak that you forgot some of the basics, which, totally. which as we talked, um, you know, we've all been there. We've all 
just so excited to get out. You just forget to do a few things. Uh, now, when you're gone, the bigger bodies of water like Lake Ontario or out in the ocean, that's a bit more drastic than, than most. But you went out last week and you made some big mistakes. I did. Um, admittedly, and it's... Um it kind of surprised me because I kind of, I'm sometimes that guy who's nagging myself or others about safety on the water, and it uh, kind of surprised me that I made as many as I did uh, with this paddle. So, um, first one would have been just in the pre-planning, and it was, um, you know, I just checked the forecast for right now when I was loading my boat, not for two or three or four hours from now when I'd be coming back to the put-in. Right. Um, I didn't check my VHF to make sure that uh, I had decent battery. Um, and was the battery decent? Uh, no, it uh, turned oh. on for about a minute. Each time, it would turn on for about a minute each time. I tried it three or four times. minute each time, then it would duck. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was essentially dead. So I probably could have hailed for help, but who knows how much information I could have gotten out. Right. Um, the... Uh, I didn't, uh, so along with the, 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 the temperature and, uh, the temperature was fine. Cause like I said, it was, it was, it was stupid hot. It was like over hundred degrees Fahrenheit, 40 degrees Celsius. Um, but it was the winds that I just didn't pay enough attention to. And there were a South wind. So they were coming all the way across from the South end of Lake Ontario and hitting Toronto broadside. So it Ooh. was, uh, bring that fetch with it. Right. And, um, Water temperature, um, I'm not sure if the lake had flipped that temperature inversion yet at that point, but it was still a little too cold for me to be out there on my own without my dry suit. Right. Um, and I didn't really tell anybody where I was going. I didn't have any full oh, plan or anything. Okay. I told a couple of people, I'm heading out, but, but not that where. was the extent of the conversation. Not where, not when I'll be back, not anything else, which... I usually do. I've got a couple of good friends that I'll say, I'll just shoot a text, say I'm heading out for this length of time to this point, this part, whatever. I'll check in when I'm off the water. And they, they know me well enough that, you know, it, uh, that I'll, that I'll check in when I'm in, when I'm back in. Or they'll, or they'll maybe they'll even hear from me while I'm out because I'll send them pictures or whatever. Right. But, uh, so those were a few um mistakes i made for what's essentially about a three kilometer or sort of a two mile open water that you know the furthest away from shore because of the bay there i'm probably a good kilometer a little more than half a mile offshore Ooh. um did you have so your pfd were, i definitely had my pfd on um i had uh, you know i have a waterproof cell phone so and that's on a floaty and that's attached to my pfd um Okay. It wasn't long into the paddle. I was about, because uh, I went across, I did a three-kilometer cross, and I'm like, that was fun, and it wasn't too concerning at that time, but concerning, concerning enough that it was started to kind of niggle my brain a little bit, and as I'm paddling up the Credit River, which again is another few-kilometer paddle, it's totally calm, you know, the wind isn't really coming up the, the river or that, so it's, it's right. nothing at all to worry about there, but I just kept thinking, it's like, it's building, what should I do? Should I head back as normal should i ditch my boat on shore somewhere and take an uber back to my car should i you know call a friend um but i decided to you know go with option a which was to paddle back Mm -hmm. um 
and some of the reasons why I did that were, um, I know what my skill level is, and I knew, I went to the mouth of the river, and before I went out into the lake, you know, I just sat there for a bit. There's a, there's a big old ship um, at Breakwater they use um, at the Core Credit Yacht Club there to uh, protect the boats in harbor. Right. And I just sat there beside that for a good five minutes, went to the stern of it, sat there. And just watched what the water was doing. And it was roughest right outside the mouth of the river, which is, it should be. Um, and that didn't concern me too, too much. Um, I knew I had to be on my game. Um, but I also knew I had the skill set to do that. I've been in, I've been in much worse water. Right. Um, but again, it was, uh, you know, it was chilly. Um, no dry suit. The water was chilly. No dry suit. But there's more boat traffic out there now. That was going between Port Credit and Lakefront Promenade. Right. Um, so I kind of just got myself ready, had total situational awareness of what was going on. Um, that's a big I one. Went out. What's that? That's a big one. Yeah, and, that, and that's where I think a lot of people fail, is they don't know they're in the crap until they're in the crap. Yeah. So I was fully aware of going out into the crap. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, so, so I went out. I went a little further offshore than um, I normally would, um, just to get away from the reflective waves. Um, so as the water comes in against the shoreline, the wave action, the, the energy from the wave hits the shore, and then it comes back out. Right. And it dissipates as it goes further from shore. So I wanted to be further away from shore, so I didn't have to worry about both the waves coming at me from the right and the energy coming back at me from the left. Exactly. Um, and it's just, it was it's a little easier to read the water out there. I was closer to where the number of uh, recreational powerboats and um, sea-dews were. And because of the wave height and the winds and that, these guys were going a lot slower than normal too. So um, I took a little bit of comfort knowing that they're around, which is very unusual because I usually don't like when sea dudes or pleasure or watercraft are around. <laughs> uh, you want them far away, and it uh, it wasn't doing anything tricky. It was pretty steady winds at that point. There was no gusts, um, you know. So I just kind of made sure my phone was readily accessible. It was attached to me, um, and yeah. I just went from point A to B and stopped to smell the roses or take pictures or that. And, um, well, you know, you know what? Like, a couple of things is you got to know your skill level, which I know you do. Uh, and I think you're, I mean, paddling with you a couple of times now. I think I know that if you feel uncomfortable, you're not going to push it. You no. Know? And yeah, I mean, like you say, do you ditch your boat and take an Uber to your car and then come back and pick up your boat? You know? Um, and the fact that there's other boaters around and sea dews that if something were to happen, you could just wave down and say, Hey, you know what? How'd you like to tow me to shore or, or whatever. And then you could again, do the Uber and, and everything like that. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people run into the problems is they're like, well, you know what? I'll just push through this and hope for the best. And it may be beyond their comfort level. And that's a problem. Yeah. You got to know when to call it. Yeah, and if, if, like, looking back at it, if, you know, like, I was totally, as I'm doing it and afterwards, and as we've talked, I've been totally, like, risk assessing the whole the whole event, and it's like, if I'd been paddling with paddle partner A, I probably wouldn't have done it. If I'd been paddling with paddle partner B, 
totally would have done it, you know, because there's right. safety in numbers sometimes, but sometimes that numbers can also be if someone's has a lesser skill level than me, I probably wouldn't have taken them out in it. Um, but there's tons of people I know who I would have been, we would have been totally fine. We'd probably been having fun trying to chase some of those waves. Um, right. You know, and it was, you know, I could have left my boat at a couple of canoe clubs on the, the Credit River and taken the Uber and all that. And it just, I don't know, it just, it was, it felt okay to do. Um, but it's not something I'm bragging about. I'm definitely using it as a learning experience. Well, you have and to. I would definitely be, it definitely made me check the weather multiple times yesterday before I was out, <laughs> when I was out, um, and I checked for when I'd be coming back, you know, because I knew I'd be out all afternoon, so I checked for late morning in Toronto and later in the afternoon, four or five o'clock and stuff, and it was a little bit different, um, but mostly the same. The winds picked up a bit, but they're coming from the west yesterday, which yeah. doesn't impact the harbor as much as, say, a... Uh, offshore north wind or something so it was uh yeah it was a a better paddle yesterday <laughs> it was definitely a better paddle yesterday in that way not to say that the paddle last week wasn't fun because it was definitely invigorating and exhilarating and all that <laughs> um but it wasn't the right i made that that admittedly i made some errors and yeah. um i know for at least this season i will not be making any of those mistakes things again so well you know what when when you're talking about like paddler a paddler b paddler c sort of thing it's the same deal like when i go launch into duffins creek if i go right i go up the creek if i go left i can go right out onto lake ontario and you can see the the waves and what's coming because mm. you know it comes straight up that that first bit of of duffins creek and sometimes if i'm alone i'll go out there and then you know do a quick turn and then ride the waves back in like I, I enjoy doing that, but I know there's certain people I can be with in the canoe that it's like, okay, you know what? Yeah, no, we're not, yeah, we're yeah. not going out there, <clears throat> you know, same sort of thing. So I know, and the reason why I've, I we're sort of getting into this tonight is Coast Guard rescues. Yeah. So it's been a few. So me with the wind and all that, it, it reminded me of about 10 years ago, a group of friends of mine, and, and I dug into this one a little bit because I was supposed to be out with them that day. It was a relatively, should have been an uneventful paddle on the upper Niagara River. Now, people say, Niagara River, oh my God, you're going over the falls. No, you're, you're up near Buffalo. You're, I don't know, Past 20 kilometers, 12, 13 miles from the falls. Uh, you're above the falls here at this point. So, But unless you do something really stupid for a really long time, you're not going over the falls. Um, <laughs> but a, a group of friends, group of friends of mine were out, and I was I was supposed to go out. I, I can't remember now um, why I didn't end up going out with them. But it was uh, just before Halloween, uh, 2010, October 30th. About seven or eight people, all paddlers who I've, pa I've paddled with numerous times, all at my skill level or better, which is all I'm a paddle Canada level three paddler, level one uh, instructor. Well, I guess lapsed instructor but anyway all people at least that skill level or better at that time some people had recently gotten their you know more senior de designations and even a couple people had just recently become instructors so there were eight of them out there and while they were out there the uh, the wind direction and wind speed had changed again similar to what happened to me last week um 
and they decided to call it, and they're like, we're going back to shore. Um, like I said, there's about eight of them, if memory serves, but one of the one of the mem- uh, friends paddling just couldn't keep up. The, uh, the waves on the river had picked up, the wind had picked up, the wind was right in their face going back to where they needed to get to on shore, and she couldn't keep up, and she was losing strength, and... She decided to call it. There was a small island called Strawberry Island in the Upper Niagara River nearby. Right. And she went to it. And she thought, well, I'll wait to see if the weather will calm down or whatever. And, you know, she checked the resources she had, and it didn't look like it was going to. So she called 911 because um, she was stuck. Um, where were the other seven people? Well, anytime the group dynamics went to shit to be quite frank, um, and everybody self-admitted that later on. With the wind picking up, the seasick picking up, the group just got further and further and further and further apart. She had tried whistling. The whistle didn't work into the wind for the people ahead of her to hear her. Right. Um, she tried shouting, yelling, nothing. Nobody could hear, and the group was getting further and further apart and further and further away from her, and that's when she called it and went to Strawberry Island. Um, so she called 911, and... Um, I decided to pull, after this was all over and talked to all my friends, and I decided to pull the, uh, the, I did a freedom of information request for the U.S. Coast Guard, which was stupid easy. It was like, I I can't remember if there was a form on their website or if I just emailed this uh, uh, admin person in their office or whatever. But anyway, I got it. And it it breaks it down so cool. um, You know, 1,300 hours, uh, Sector Buffalo received a call from, it's, a lot of this is redacted, but essentially yeah. what happened was uh, the friend called 911. It, that was picked up by Niagara Regional Police in Canada. She told them what, what had happened, where she was. Uh, I'm sure they probably asked her, how are you, all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, Niagara Regional Police contacted the Joint Rescue Center in at uh, Canadian Forces Base Trenton. Right. Um, which works in conjunction with the U.S. Uh, military and U.S. military assets and U.S. search and rescue assets for Great Lakes um, and Atlantic and Pacific near border uh, areas. And what they do is they have inventory of all the assets in any given region in Canada at any time. I think there's about five different uh, joint rescue centers across Canada. We'll get into that a little bit later. Um, so CFB Trenton, they determined that well, it looks like Coast Guard Station Buffalo probably is the best one to respond to this. So Coast Guard Station Buffalo, they get the call at uh, 1 o'clock, um, and they see what they've got in the water, which they had a rigid hull inflatable boat, and they're, they're tasked to um, go get uh, go get my friend. Mm-hmm. So she was on, uh, as I see on the Freedom of on the trip on the uh, accident or incident report, sorry, um, she was on the west side of Strawberry Island, and the Coast Guard said to move to the east side, so with the winds, it'll be easier to pick her and her kayak up. Right. Um, and that's one thing. When you're getting picked up by the Coast Guard or Marine Rescue of any kind, they're picking you up, not necessarily your stuff. Yeah, it's, it, yeah. So, you wouldn't expect them to pick up your gear. It's like they're not responsible to protect your, your assets. They're just not saving at all. your life. No. So it's very... It's, Incident specific. So later on, I'll talk about the uh, the webinar I was on with um, on the East Coast with some uh, Coast Guard Rest, Coast yeah. Rescue guys, and, and the rule is they don't. 
they pick the person up or the people up and off they go. But you're a captain on a boat or the coxswain on a boat and there's a kayak alongside you and you can take it and there's no imminent danger to the human or the person. Yeah, they're going to pick your boat up too. Yeah, it's, it's because a, otherwise at the time call, right? Hazard. What's that? It's an at the time call. Totally. And it's different with every incident. Yeah. Um, you know, he said, if it means I'm wasting 30 seconds getting uh, somebody injured to shore, then the boat's staying behind. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, she was uh, tasked with uh, going to the other side of the island. Um, so this was at uh, 1300 hours, so one o'clock in the afternoon. And the boat gets there. They're, they're there at uh, 1322. Um, northeast side of the island, they ask her to paddle out towards her. Now, when you look at Strawberry Island on the map and on Google Images and stuff, it's just a little piece of scrub and some rock in the middle of Niagara yeah. River, so it's probably just easier for her to have paddled out to them. Um, she got on board them with no uh, injuries or anything, and um, she was on board, and then they were away at uh, 13.30, 1.30, at one thirty-six, they were dropping her back off and had her paddle into shore. Again, I think that had to do with the landing. Some people have speculated, oh, it's probably because of an international incident, BS, but no, yeah. I think it had to do with the landing. Um, yeah, when you go yeah. through that incident report, they say media coverage, none. Yeah. Or, sorry, media interest, none. Yeah. But, yeah, and that's why I say, like, I was, I was kind of curious, maybe it was a bigger boat that that's why she had a paddle out because it couldn't get close enough because of uh, too shallow. And then, again, when they're dropping her off, they didn't drop her off right on shore. They dropped her off, and then she had to paddle the last however many feet to shore sort of thing. Yeah, and it was like 50 feet or 50 yards yeah. or something. It wasn't, it wasn't far at all, right? No. So, and then they stood by, the standard by until she was on shore. And then they were back at um, Coast Guard Station Buffalo, um, which I forget, I think it was about six miles, about 10 kilometers by 155. Yeah. Um, so that took 55 minutes from her initially calling. Um, and the report is so cool. There's actually about four different reports. Um, I think it's I like there's 15 next... or 16 pages. Yeah. It's, uh, so detailed and there's even a dollar value put on it. So this is a super simple, um, rescue it's 50 minutes to get the paddler get the paddler on board there's probably two or three guys on the boat i assume three take take them to the canadian side drop them off on shore make sure they're safe they're back within an hour and that cost 1150 us dollars 10 years ago yeah so i can't imagine how much some of these search and rescues some of these major are, operations when a helicopter multiple ships and or, helicopters and yeah oh astronomical and there's another one around that same time just before that in september up on lake superior that one was that was heavy tandem. duty what's that that one was heavy duty yeah and they so called in some a, big machinery on that one yeah and that one was much longer that one was hours and hours long um again it was similar weather uh what was it about 55 degrees fahrenheit 60 degrees fahrenheit so it's yep. at about 15 degrees celsius so not too cold you know typical for that time of year up, up there or down niagara way at the end of october or up in superior that was september 17th same year 2010 and what that one was was um a tandem kayak that was on a four-week circumnavigation of the or or along the shoreline of lake superior 
Um, it was two elderly people, a male and a female, 63 and 59. So who knows? It could be retirees or whatever. Yeah. That doesn't really go into that. But um, one of them ended up in the water. And from what I remember of all the social media postings back then was the kayak had gone over. They were both in the water. Only one could get back in. One was hanging. Now, right. they, they had a, a PLB, a personal locator beacon on them. Yeah. They hit the big red button at... Um, I had the time here somewhere. Um, one thirty. No, one o'clock. Twelve fifty nine. So twelve fifty nine. Um, search and rescue gets the uh, the ding dong from the PLB, and um, it wasn't until three nineteen. So what's that? Two hours and twenty minutes later that a C-130 out of uh, Canadian uh, Forces Base Trenton yeah. uh, was over them. Yeah, that's the big um, Hercules airplane. Massive airplane, yeah. yeah. Um, sometimes, and depending on, I think the U.S. more so does this, but they can drop a uh, person, uh, a rescue swimmer, or they can drop life rafts and supplies to people. Yeah. Uh, from what I've gathered, this one they didn't because... Not long after, 40 minutes after, a U.S. Coast Guard helicopter came um, and rescued the two people. Mm-hmm. Now, in this case, they did leave the kayak behind. Um, memory serves, the kayak washed up about four weeks later, relatively unscathed, relatively, uh, it was right near up near Wawa, um, which is where the um, Coast Guard helicopter took the uh, survivors for treatment for hypothermia. Yeah. Uh, um, now the helicopter, the HH sixty five Dolphin helicopter. Yeah. It was out of uh, Traverse City, Michigan. Yeah. The other side of the lake. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know what the, I I do like about this is the fact that it doesn't matter Canadian, yeah. US. They don't check whoever, your passport before yeah. they rescue you. Well, whoever is closest. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. their main focus, right? Mm-hmm. Is just getting them rescued. And that's what's awesome about the uh, the JRCC, the Joint Rescue uh, Command Center, is that they can see what assets, who has, where, and when. Yeah. So in this case, with the PLB going off, I think in that case, the Canadian guys are looking at it and going, okay, it's probably quicker and easier to get a Herc up. Um, that time of year, mid-September, they're probably off their summer rotation. Um, so they have to have a bird up. During the summer, within 30 minutes, after summer, it's generally up, up to two hours. So it doesn't mean there's a guy sitting in a room waiting to run out to an airplane. It could be guys sitting at home and getting a beeper and then running to the base and getting up in an airplane. So that's what I'm yeah. thinking probably happened here is that, you know, and once they determined exactly what was going on with, you know, they could see from the Hercules what was going on in the water is, then JRCC would have contacted U.S. Coast Guard, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, we got a helicopter up." And boom, forty minutes later, they're they're in the helicopter and headed to uh, to get checked out of the hospital. So it's um, well, something like that. You, I mean, you you talk about you, you hope nothing ever happens. I mean, that everybody with the the spot units, the inreach units, yeah. the, and all that sort of thing. You're you're thinking, hopefully, I never have to press that button. Mm-hmm. But if you do, I mean, just these two incidents alone. How many people are involved? Oh, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. I mean, the one the, the helicopter alone had I think had four people on it. 
And then the, yeah, the Hercules. Yeah, helicopter either four or five, depending on the size of the helicopter. I'm not sure yeah. what the dolphin. I think it's smaller. It's smaller. Yeah, I think I think that has yeah. four people. Yeah. Um. Then the 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 Herc has got one, two, three, four. I think four to five people. As many as that. And then more, you've got yeah. the ground crew from yep. the states and Canada. Like, I mean, you're you're talking mm-hmm. a couple dozen people just to yeah. get your butt out of that water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I looked at like the weather in the sea state, I can't remember. I wish I wish I, I was trying to find it on social media about ten years ago, so yeah. hard to find um, exactly why and what and all that. The, the the tandem kayak ended up in the water, but I looked up the sea state and the weather today, and there is nothing out of the ordinary mm-hmm. that looks like it. So it could have just been. A wave or a, a, a missed paddle stroke or maybe they're reaching in a hatch for lunch or who, who knows. But Any number it, of things. Exactly. And then all of a sudden, boom, you're in these dire straits. And here's a, here's a bad one for you. You're in these dire straits. You need some brothers in arms to come get you. <laughs> yeah, there's the door. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here all week, people. I'm here all week. So in the end, they were transported to Wawa where they were taken care of. Uh, and yeah, when you're looking at the incident report, full condition of the survivors was not known. Hypothermia symptoms were, were reported. And again, as you said, the surface water temperature was approximately 55 degrees Fahrenheit. So yeah, it, it can happen just like that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and the air temperature, I believe that day was around the same. What was the air? Yeah, the air temperature, 59 Fahrenheit. Yeah. So around, around the same. So it wasn't really cold, but it was cold enough. You don't want to be sitting bouncing around Lake Superior for four hours. No, I don't want to do that on a regular um, day. Yeah. So that I, w- I would imagine that even that length of time, they may be in dry suits or maybe just wet suits or, you know, maybe nothing at yeah. that point. But still, they did you know, say they were suffering from hypothermia. Yeah. So it would have had been nothing yeah. or dry or wet suits. Wet suits. Nothing, yeah. It's either just yeah, regular paddling clothes or wet suits. Dry yeah. suits, I can't imagine that they'd be uh, hypothermia. But, um, but yeah, still, nonetheless, it's uh, it just makes you, you, you think whether you're going out on a small lake or just doing a little paddle down the shoreline a couple kilometers um, but just the, uh, the planning you have to go to, so you don't end up in a helicopter or a rigid hull inflatable. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause it know, can happen so easily. One thing that, yeah. uh, th- that kind of stuck in my mind, Sean, Sean was telling me about this just before we started recording. And I don't know if you had planned on mentioning it later on in the podcast, but, uh, one thing that kind of stuck in my mind, you were saying that when you, for example, in reach or spot. Oh yeah, well we'll get to that in, in okay, a minute. Okay, so you yeah, are going yeah. to talk about that. Yeah, oh okay. yeah, definitely going to. Is that really? That. Is that really kind of concerns yeah. me? Yeah. So just on the like I say, we've been chatting about the, a couple of things here with the Coast Guard and stuff like that. There was a live web series. Was that two weeks ago? Last yeah, week? two weeks. Two ago? or three weeks. Yeah, I forget the yeah. actual date, but. Not too long ago, yeah. Yeah, so a live web series. Chris Lockyer of Committed to the Core Sea Kayak Coaching out in Nova Scotia. We did, that's, uh, Derek and I did that. Um, at the Complete Paddler, yeah. Yeah, over at the Complete Paddler there, the other side There's of There's a Toronto. navigation 
course. Of course, yeah, for kayakers. Yeah. And of course, we weren't kayakers at the time. <laughs> yeah, so we figured, let's go. Yeah. Uh, they but again, a, a lot of these skills are transferable. Absolutely. So oh, they definitely yeah. are. You're they sitting here are. listening to me do all my screw ups in canoes or in kayaks for the last half hour. Every single mistake I'd made, it doesn't matter what you're paddling, whether it's a rubber raft down a river in, uh, in Alberta or a stand up paddleboard or a canoe. It's all the same. Oh, yeah. Things. Well, Chris put on this night with search and rescue professionals. Uh, it was a, a Zoom web series so everybody could log in and and whatnot. And they were they had uh, they had a couple of Canadian Coast Guard guys there, uh, a SAR tech from Greenwood, Nova Scotia, mm-hmm. and a helicopter pilot from Greenwood, Nova Scotia. Now I've got to say, when I was an air cadets, I took uh, air traffic controller training one one year and i was actually in greenwood nova scotia up in the control nice. tower oh, okay, cool. dealing with the sartex and all yeah. everything like that right that was way back man they had the argus uh they no they were just getting rid of the argus uh planes and, and whatnot but it was really were cool made out of balsa wood and uh, canvas yeah they had a, a <laughs> big propeller at the front you had to turn <laughs> you had to wind up the elastic uh so Snoopy no you know one of those didn't he is <laughs> It's really cool because I've seen these guys actually in action from the control tower side of things uh, when I was when I was uh, in Air Cadets way back. So he had this this uh, Zoom uh, meeting live web series. So he had the guys there, the four of them, and then he would ask questions and everybody could listen in and stuff like that. Uh, Alan, you you listened in. What did you I think did. of it? Um, amazing, awesome. Um, learned a lot. Uh, knew a lot of what they were talking about. Um, but uh, it's always good to have it all refreshed. Um, but just it was just neat to hear. It. It's one thing to read it, or one thing for to hear it from another sea cat coach. It's another thing to hear the same thing from the guy who's out searching for you, right? Or the guy that's in the control room coordinating everything. Right. Um, you know, they talked about all sorts of things from the best color to be in the water when the helicopter's looking for you, or when the boat coxswain's looking for you, or the best... Uh, they mentioned the in-reach system a lot because of the two-way communication. Yep. Um, the PLBs are good because they keep getting updates with that, I think. Yeah. So with this is what one. Derek was talking so if about. So drift... Yeah. 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 This is what he was talking about. And this is this is one of the things that because I there is a video we're going to see we can put on our our, uh, Facebook page that people can watch. Uh, It's it's an hour and 54 minutes of this Zoom meeting. One of the things that I was watching and just totally, totally took me by surprise. Blew my mind. The guy was talking about the Mm inReach, which they like. There's pros and cons. The pro is that they can, you know, text you back and forth saying, how are you doing? What is the nature of your injuries? That sort of stuff, how right? How fast yeah. do we have to get to you? But he also said, when you press SOS button, the tracking stops. It pings the area where you hit the button. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're in a big drift area, I mean, because these guys are out off Nova Scotia's coast. Yeah. So if you're drifting, they knew where you pressed the button. Not where you Not are. Not necessarily <laughs> where you are. Yeah. Yeah. But then he talks about the P, the personal locator beacons, the PLBs. Which do track you. Which it's do track you. They keep going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they, I, I got to go back and watch that part because they were talking about there's a secondary frequency or something that they can 
hone in on. Okay. Well, that was with the VHF radio. Oh, is that the radio? I thought they were talking about that. Yeah, once they get close or you see them, because VHF radios are only line of sight, right? Right, yeah. Um, Now, we're fortunate on the Great Lakes that there's a bunch of repeater towers. Yeah. So you don't have to be in view of a boat for it to hear you because there's all these big towers all around the Great Lakes. But, yeah, so once they get a VHF from you or once you've keyed your thing and you're transmitting, they can home in on that signal. Right, right. Right. Yeah, yeah. I I wanted to go back and, and listen to that part again. Hmm. Um, because yeah, the guy say that the guy that drives that that drives flies the helicopter was saying that they got all the stuff there that they can just when they get closer they can zoom in on different frequencies and find exactly yeah. where you are. But that's if you got the PLB. Um, yeah. But yeah, the the inreach thing because I mean we're sitting there. Do you get spot? Do you get inreach? Do you get spot? Do you get inreach? Right. I know. And now I'm finding when when I hear something like this, like you say from the professionals. Yes. Saying, yeah, it, 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 it pings. We know where you press the button. Mm-hmm. But if you've drifted five kilometers since then. Exactly. So, but since they know about it, what they can do is say, okay, well, the prevailing winds is this way. We know yeah. this is where the, he was pinged. The current, we um, just have to uh, follow the current and the winds and go downwind. Yeah. Right? So, but still, it's... Um, Rather unnerving. I know. Like, why wouldn't, why would inReach leave that? That seems like a, a, a failing of the device. You'd mm-hmm. think that inReach would have cap cover that off it's like or but what it is i think it's not a fault with the hardware what it is is it's uh, almost like it's an oversight what it is is you've pinged your location but it's not a constant ping it all it is is like is the one off it's like dropping it's like like dropping a flag on google maps yes and so you may not be at that flag anymore. The bear might be chasing you through the woods and, and or whatever, right? Or, or you're drifting on the ocean or whatever. So it's, uh, I think it's something that, uh, like, what do you do? Do you, do you turn off the SOS and turn it back on again every, like, half so hour? So often, yeah. Like, it's, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't like that. Yeah, to, well, that, that's, one, that's one of the things that I, I, I got out of that little mm-hmm. video that I was watching. It's good oh, to not know. little video, but. It is good to know. Yeah. Um, hmm. The other thing I got out of it, did you see that map they put up, Alan? Which one? There was a they map put up several. with all, yeah. That, yeah. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that one. Oh, that <laughs> the one. one I'm yeah. That's about. the one I'm talking about. <laughs> so they put up a map with little dots all over it. It was of Canada. Uh, between 2002 and 2015, mm. mm-hmm. over 140,000. Thousand search and yeah. rescue incidents. Wow! And they've put yeah. dots, and they they divided it up between is it three or four? Three. Yeah. It's three. Yeah. There's Atlantic, uh, Western, and then uh, Central. Central and Arctic. Yeah, Central and Arctic, and and yeah. yeah, they put all these dots, and of course it goes off east and west coast as well out yeah. in the ocean, right? Mm-hmm. But the number over a hundred and forty thousand. There's a ton of blue dots in the uh, Golden Horseshoe and GTA area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's something. But, and so yeah. off the, uh, you can see you can see where the people like typically. So off the uh, east coast, you can see it's like there's a lot way out to sea. Yeah, way yeah. out to sea. I was surprised by the amount in Northwest Territories and none of it. Yeah, um, and a lot of them look like they're potentially land based. Yes. So I'm wondering, is yeah. it snowmobilers, hunters, trackers, or people out canoeing? I, I, I don't know. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, there's not that many people up there. It's surprising to see so many of the blue dots up there. Exactly, right? So, but yeah, that was definitely uh, quite sobering to see and just how busy those guys can be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's when you definitely need the organization of, um, you know, between the personal locator beacon companies or the inreach guys yeah. and all, all, all that sort of stuff and your search and rescue guys and the guys in the field. Like, like we say, like when you start talking to Coast Guard, the minute you press that button, the number of people that have to jump into action. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now, as you were saying earlier, Alan, was uh, the one guy was saying they have a response time of two hours out of Greenwood. Mm-hmm. But that's because if guys at off home. Season. Off season. Yeah, yeah if yeah. he's at home and he gets that beep, so you have to be they deployed. say yeah. two hours yeah. he gets gets out of his house out of his armchair you know <laughs> yeah. from watching finish sports dinner. <laughs> finish, finish his dinner <laughs> uh, jumps in his car gets to the base he's got to find out everything you know like of course there's a team that's got to be working yep. on this yeah. somebody's finding out okay what are we looking at yeah. Yeah. guys getting his helicopter ready you know making sure it's all fueled up making sure it's running you know they got their service checks before they take that thing in the air and and whatnot and they say under two hours but it's typically it's no more than an hour hour and 15 before that bird is in the air yeah which is pretty cool you know that's pretty fat like i say dudes at home enjoying sunday dinner when you press that button yeah and obviously in season where you have people at the location yeah. all the time, yeah. ready to ready to fly. Then obviously it would be a lot quicker. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's uh, they do. You know, it's it's like with anything, right? It, it, like volunteer firefighters, they uh, tend to be a little bit slower off the hop because they're at home. But then the uh, full time guys are like in the truck within a minute and mm-hmm. off. Yeah. Like, off they go. Right. Yeah. So takeaways. They put a little list here. Takeaways from the seminar. Self reliance is key. Dressing for the water temperatures, having VHF, other electronic devices, plus a white light attached to your PDF or P- yeah. PFD. <laughs> They're interchangeable. I never leave home without my PDF. <laughs> I'm looking at one now. Uh, attached to your PFD are key. Now, do you have do you have a light on your... I do not have a light on How about mine. you, Alan? Uh, when I'm night paddling, otherwise, no. But yeah. I should. Uh, stay with your kayak if you do get into a situation where you need to be rescued. Which, Which goes along with if you're hiking or canoeing, stay stay where you are. Yeah. If you can, right? Yeah. So, um, and I figure, you know, you know what, that's a flotation device, right? Realistically. It, it totally is. It increases your visibility as well. Yeah. Um, and that's another thing that I really am glad that they covered on that, uh, on that uh, webinar series is about what colors are you seeing from the bridge of the boat or the uh, helicopter? And what the one guy say is like, well, there's a reason Mustang uses uh, red. Yeah. You know, that red or orange, you know, it's like the reds, the oranges, the yellows stick out, you know. Uh, that's a- why I always get confused by people who get like that sea blue boat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, or a black canoe. Well, you know what? I, I always used to have this really bright orange life jacket. Yeah. And I used to get razzed about it all the time. Like, dude, turn that down. <laughs> right. And I was, I was like, dude, they're going to see me from space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so all the rest of you are all, you know, floating away, can't be found. Yeah. 
that International Space Station goes out, there he is. There he is right there. You know. Uh, activate your system early. They can always be called back. Yep. Personal responsibility. Float plans. Train with safety equipment and gear you own. And train with professional sea kayak coaches. Yeah, a lot of this was sea kayak based because it's off mm-hmm. the sure. coast, right? Yeah. Uh, YouTube is no substitute for proper professional <laughs> training. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, that's the way, you know, a, a lot of people do yeah. things now. It is. And, it, and, and, and YouTube and videos and that, especially ones with higher viewer, viewer um, watches and that, can be a great resource. Mm-hmm. But getting out and doing it on your own and having somebody there to coach you through it and correct your mistakes is invaluable. Oh, big yeah, regardless absolutely. of the skill, whether you're yeah. cooking or driving or paddling, you know. Yeah. Well, you know what? Like when I was looking at before I got my kayak, I was looking at some of these videos, you know, like they're telling you don't do. Uh, but I was doing it to get an idea of, well, this is what you have to do. This is this is what this is. This is what that. It's one thing to get an idea from the videos to what to expect for when you get out on the water. Mm-hmm. But when you're getting out on the water to do this, yeah, don't be going out. There's no way that I would take my kayak out to Nova Scotia and be going out offshore for a day paddle by myself. No, exactly. You know, be whereas I would. Whereas you <laughs> would because you've done this. And have and did. Yeah. yeah. Last summer. But, uh, and the big thing I, I, I fully agree with here is Train with safety equipment and gear that you own. Yes, no... totally. You own, you know, you're yeah. comfortable with. On on Sunday, we were out paddling on the Welland River and uh, paddling with some people who had done, uh, they'd flown to Vancouver Island and uh, did a, uh, with an outfitter and like the skirt didn't fit the boat proper therein and they, the PSD wasn't, it was too snug, a uh, person I was with was a large sized person. Um, and I think, especially when it goes to PFD, if I'm flying somewhere and doing some kind of like a five-day excursion, yep. that's the one thing I'm bringing of yeah. my own. Yeah. I'll, I'll borrow someone's over paddle, but I want my jacket. Anything at, uh, I'm not depending on somebody else's equipment when it comes to especially that one piece of equipment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I say, I'll, I'll borrow someone's paddle or canoe or whatever, but I want my own jacket. Yeah. Because it fits me. And I know where the, po- I know, it, you know, I know where my my safety whistle is. I know where my my safety knife mm-hmm. is. All that sort of stuff. And I know I've got it. There's yep. nothing like borrowing someone's PFD and all of a sudden you need a knife and you it's reach like, for that knife and oh, there isn't one here, one. you know. Yeah. Or you reach for that whistle and oh, it's not there. Sort yep. of thing. Right? Yeah. Um. So yeah. So the 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 other things I the things I saw from there, like I say, the map. The the in the whole in reach and PLB um, differences, like you said, and like I say, the guy said, you know, not not to put a whole damper on on in reach. There there is pros and cons to both. Oh yeah, absolutely um, yeah. to them all, and with salt spot as well, yeah. right? And you yeah. have to determine for what you're doing what the best one is. Yeah, like the guys um, Johnny and Grant went around Algonquin uh, last week with the the Minas Link, yep. and they had to spot with them, which is fine. I probably wouldn't take a PLB on that trip. You know, it, uh, 
Whereas the inReach with some of the text capability, if they wanted to update their social media as they went, they could have done it with that. And, you know, it depends on each person's situation. Definitely. Definitely. And what works best for what they're doing most of the time. And most of these, depending on where you are, you can rent as well or borrow. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the one last thing I'll say about about this is he says in the, the video, people go out and buy these PLBs, <laughs> don't realize they have to register them. Yeah. Oh, really? Because yeah. they think, oh, yeah, well, I'm they just going to go out and press the button. Yeah. It's not set up. What is that? Yeah. You know, like the bing, oh. You need an somebody, account. Yeah. yeah. They don't realize you have to register them. They hmm. figure, oh, I'm just going to go buy it and it'll work. Wow. So, oi. <laughs> uh, th- that video, it's, it's an hour and 54 minutes. Uh, it covers a lot of information, a lot of really good. You get a good view from the guys on what it takes if you're in the Coast Guard. You know the sort of things that you you got to look that you'll look out for and and what you what you see that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, we're we're gonna see if we can post this uh, video. I think it's just a Vimeo link I can post on our, our Facebook page yeah. so people can uh, take a peek. But it definitely definitely worth the watch. And uh, other anything else you got to add to that, uh, Alan? No, it um it's just the beginning of the season. Get out, have fun, be careful. You know, just do a little risk assessment before you head out, regardless if it's just a little day paddle in the local pond or a week-long trip or something, you know, just uh, be safe. Yeah. Well, you know, with everything that's going on in the world right now, too, with the COVID thing and all that, you don't, the last thing you want to be doing is having other people have to come and haul your carcass out of the boat and right out of the it, water um, and, and whatnot, right? And I think this year, a lot more people are probably going to be doing solo paddles because of the risk of bringing people into their bubble and all that. So yeah, it just exactly, yeah. reinforces it even more to just be as safe as absolutely possible. Wear the safety gear, or have the safety gear, know what it is, know how to use it, know when to use it. Yeah, definitely, definitely got to know all your safety gear. Um, actually, I was just, uh, I'm like I say, I'm getting ready for my... Um, solo I'm going on for a solo trip there and I was just tearing apart my I got one of those orange buckets that has my float line my oh yeah, yeah. waterproof flashlight all that sort of stuff yeah and yeah making sure I change the batteries making sure the batteries are still working making sure I've got like I say in the bottom of that I also keep like salt for leeches and oh okay, and stuff yeah. like a, a safety lighter and stuff mm-hmm. like that right keep some extra stuff in there that's not required but yeah making sure it all works because if I'm up there three days from now and something happens, <laughs> yeah. at least I know yeah. I've got a flashlight. Yeah. I got some salt for whatever. <laughs> for your tequila. For, for the tequila. Your margarita. <laughs> yeah, just in case. Safety. Yeah, I need I need emergency start a margarita. <laughs> uh, so yeah, just go go over your side. We've covered that in previous episodes. Go through all mm-hmm. your gear, your uh, your uh, PFDs, your canoes. You know, paddles, kayaks, you know, look at the hulls, make sure there's no leaks and stuff like that. Make sure you got your safety kits, make sure everything's working properly. And yeah, watch that video when we put it up and just see what these guys are, you know, talking about. Because yeah, Coast Guard is, like I say, seeing them in action myself was pretty cool to, you know, and, and you start to, to, to take into account how many people 
when you dump, how many people are put into action to come oh, and save you? Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it's huge. It, it really is. So, well, Alan, that's, uh, that's it. I want to thank you for uh, being on with us tonight. Thanks for having me. It was yeah. fun. Yeah, and we're just going to make fun of you going, ah, I guess what Alan did. (laughs) We've all uh, been there, man. We can't learn from our own mistakes. Whose can we learn from? Derek's. Everybody else's. (laughs) So learn from mine. Yes. We can't laugh at ourselves. Who who can we laugh at? Alan. Alan. (laughs) Uh, You got anything else, uh, Derek? I do not. And neither do I. It's good to see you again. (laughs) Live and in person. We could talk about the meanest link. But that might take too long. Yeah. So that's... the boys are just back. They haven't done a trip report yet. They uh, they were well in line of uh, hitting the the meanest yeah, record. Yeah. And then the curse of the on, winds. Yeah. On Wednesday night, the yeah. the storms blew in, and on the same night that the like I, I'm looking forward to hearing the, their trip report. Right. I did hear from I I saw Martin Garster posted on the same night that they had they were Mount Martin was on Big Trout. And uh, he said he was just getting ready for bed, about 9.30. He was in his bug shelter, and uh, he said the wind came in 55 kilometers an hour or higher, and all of his gear, his tent, his bug tent, all his gear, everything was blown into the woods. Yeah. And so <laughs> he said it was it was a long, cold night uh, camping out on the uh, the path to the uh, to the Thunderbox. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, man. So if not for that, then the boys probably would have uh, broke a record. But as it was, it was, uh, they're what's, they were uh, like uh, 10 or 11 minutes shy of eight days. Yeah. So they're basically eight days on the on the route. But they slowed down towards the end because it's like, we're not going to beat the record. This is a, enjoy it, right? Yeah. Well. What is the record? Uh, the record is six days and 15 hours. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, which is it was uh, I can't remember the guy's name top of my head, but uh, they did that last year. The record was made. Dun dun dun. Yeah. I can't believe nobody's done the Brent Run yet this year. I know, hey. Come on, people. Well, everything's on sort of on the back burner. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, well, thanks for coming on, Alan. Good yes. to see you, Derek. Yes, Thank awesome. You. Uh, if you want to find out more about us, I don't even have my paper tonight that I usually read off of. <laughs> you wing it. <laughs> yeah, I'm winging it. Uh, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube. Uh, you can listen to us live on all your favorite podcasts. Yep. Download sites. We'll call it live, but... Well, not live. Yeah, whatever. I'm winging this. <laughs> Quiet. <laughs> Shush! <laughs> yeah, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Spotify Player, FM. Player FM, Google Play, and all your favorite download podcast download sites. Yeah. If you go to paddlingadventuresradio.com, you click on... Actually, on the front page, if you click on our big... Uh, episode this week's episode thing it'll take you right to our episode page and you can listen to all 227 yes. episodes 227 wow. i know eh wow <laughs> so uh thanks alan for being on uh i'm sean roley and i'm derek specht we'll see you next time <laughs>